Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Hope you will all be here for the next few weeks as we go through this new series. Now, isn't it true that love is big and that it is incredibly important to each and every single one of us? Well, Father, as we begin today, I ask that your presence would be upon us. Lord, that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying, eyes to see God moving in our midst. Lord, hands that would touch the way Jesus would touch. Hearts that would beat in synergy and perfect rhythm with the heart of the Father. Lord, a nose that would smell the rose of Sharon to know the presence of God is in this place. Tongues that would exalt and lift up and edify and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, come. Let your love reign. In Jesus' holy name, amen. I believe that love is the most powerful force on earth. Let me share this little story with you. His name is Oliver Cromwell. He was born in um, 1599. And he was the Lord Protector of England for five years, um, six, excuse me, 1653 to 15, 1658. Now, a young soldier was now convicted of a crime, and he was now going to face execution. And his young bride-to-be, who he was engaged to, she came and, and went right up to Oliver Cromwell, and pleaded for her, the life of her lover, her fiancé, to no avail. And at that moment, he said no. At the striking of the curfew bell, he will be executed. Well, she left, very disappointed and distraught. But as it came time for curfew, The crowds gathered in Cromwell and the guards and the soldiers, everybody was there. But she went up the side of the belfry and she found her way up into that belfry. And so as the guard grabbed the rope and started to yank and and pull, there was no sound. There was no ringing of the bell tower. And finally, when the guard stopped pulling on the rope, well, the young bride-to-be worked her way down the belfry to there, the crowd in Cromwell, all bruised and battered and bleeding. She went up and confessed to Cromwell what she had done was got onto the clapper and hugged on tight so that the clapper could not ring the bell. He was so moved by the power of her love that he commuted that young soldier's sentence. And there, there was no execution that day. There was a poet who shared the story and he wrote it this way. At his feet she told her story. 
showed her hands all bruised and torn, and her sweet young face still haggard with the anguish it had worn, touched his heart with sudden pity, lit his eyes with misty light. Go, your lover lives, said Cromwell. Curfew will not ring tonight. Hmm. You see, where love reigns, God reigns. And love is the driving force behind all the sacrifices you have offered those you love, those family, those friends in your life. Why did you love as big as you did if it didn't come to you from someone else who sacrificed his love for you? I say it again, where love reigns, God reigns. Maybe you've heard the saying, there can only be but one king. Now, to the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the Sanhedrin, and to the Roman oppressors who are now in charge of all the Jews, who just allowed them to practice the religion just so that they can continue to gather, well, taxes from them. They operated under this idea that there could only be one king, and that king had to be who they wanted to be king. And Jesus, we know He had served the hungry. We know that Jesus had healed the broken. He had delivered the oppressed. That He had done miracles. Healed the blind. Healed the deaf. Raised the dead. And He announced the coming of the kingdom of God. And Jesus had even claimed that He Himself was God. Well, this was a threat. And this was turning into a problem. You see, at that time, the rulers over the Jews and was, was Rome. And Rome, well, they always saw, saw fit of, of finding somebody they wanted to put in place. Someone they could control who would give them complete allegiance. And his name was Herod. Herod the Great, who kept things in Israel just the way Rome wanted it. Herod was a true tyrant and was constantly paranoid that somebody was going to threaten his place of rule and reigning as king over the Jews. So, the idea of another ruler over the Jews was viewed as a high threat. And therefore, the threat had to be eradicated. So together, the jealous religious Jews and the oppressive Romans conspired together to eradicate this threat named Jesus. And this resulted in Jesus being illegally arrested illegally tried 
therefore resulting in an illegal beating, flogging. Oh, it's horrible. I don't want to get too graphic, but the cat of nine tails. Many times it was... The cat of nine tails was a special whip that was designed to have at the end of the, of the individual whip strands, they would either put bone or glass or metal and woven into each one of the threads of the whip. It was designed to literally tear out flesh and sometimes with big metal balls or rocks to beat as well as tear. I could go on, but I don't want to do that. Not today. All of this was illegal. None of this was based on law. Let's read out of Matthew chapter 27, verse 32 to 42. Along the way, they came across a man named Simon who was from Cyrene, and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And they went out to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. The soldiers gave Jesus wine mixed with bitter gall, but when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Then they sat around and kept guarding guard as he hung there. A sign was fastened above Jesus' head announcing the charge against him. Now before I go any further, sometimes people wonder, why, why would you have to guard Jesus' body? Well, there's just a couple of commonsensical items. One would be you don't want his disciples to come and remove him off of the apparatus if you're Rome. But here's the other thing. When you died on a crucifix, it literally took hours, sometimes days. In this case, it wouldn't take days because Jesus had been so brutalized in advance from the floggings and the beatings, the crown of thorns, the, his beard being yanked out. And so you die by suffocation. The arms are out wide. They're either roped or nailed, in this case nailed. And so the body leans forward. Slowly the esophagus shrinks as it can't, and it's pinching in, and you can't breathe. So the only way to breathe is you have to push up on your feet to try to get a little bit of breath. So, is that easy to do when you have a nail in your feet? We created a brand new word from crucifixion. It's the word excruciating. It came from the cross. Let's go to verse 37. A sign was fashioned above Jesus' head announcing the charge against him. It read, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you're the son of God, 
Save yourself and come down from that cross. And the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, and the elders also mocked him. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So, he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from that cross right now, and we will believe in him. Notice that the crucifixion of Jesus is marked with ridicule and mockery and disbelief. The soldiers mocked Jesus by placing this sign that said, Jesus, King of the Jews. Now, why would they do that? Because they were sending a very, very intimidating message. If any of you want to be Judas Maccabeus, if any of you want to be a Jesus the Christ, if any of you want to be a revolutionary and push against the Romans, this will be you next. Oh, the message was clear. It was profound. Did you see how the priests and the teachers and just citizens mocked Jesus by taunting Him to get off the cross? Not even a week earlier, these same people were yelling, Hosanna in the highest! Wow. Yet none of them, none of them who were mocking understood The true test of Jesus' power wasn't getting off the cross. The true test of Jesus' power was if He could rise from the dead by Himself. Sometimes people miss the proof of Jesus' Lordship because they're too busy demanding Jesus to prove Himself in a way that they want Him to do it. And they're like those people who are mocking Jesus. And they too are missing it. It's tragic that some people refuse to trust Jesus unless Jesus does things their way. Unless Jesus heals their relative, gives them a job, stops world hunger, writes something out in the sky, they're not going to trust Him. They've determined that for faith to be real, Jesus must obey them. That's the same kind of struggle that plagued those who were right there at the time of Jesus, right there at the cross. When we demand Jesus to prove Himself to us on our terms, We rob ourselves of seeing God move in our lives. The truth is that on Friday, it looked like it was over. But with Jesus, it's not over even when it's over. Jesus was dead. The 11 disciples, now that Judas had hung himself, they all thought it was over. They were the ones who heard him. 
All of the prophecies, all of the miracles, all of the sermons, they saw, they heard, but they couldn't put it all together. Why? Because nobody had ever raised themselves from the dead. They were in shock. They were in survival mode. They were just like Mary, just like Peter, just like Thomas, and so many others. They were hiding. Can you imagine what Saturday must have looked like for all of those who were followers of Jesus? It's easy for us to be thousands of years later on this side of the crucifixion to think, why would they act like that? Don't be arrogant. What if we were there? What if the threat was your spouse? What if the threat would have been your children? What have we done? But Sunday was coming. I said, Sunday. Sunday was coming. You know, clearly, if Jesus died and stayed dead, then all of this Christian Jesus stuff is useless. None of it matters. Don't need to cook a ham. Don't need to color eggs, which I don't have any idea why the eggs are all in there. I don't mind. I like egg salad. It's good. Actually, I do know. What it actually comes from is how the enemy of our soul tries to always commandeer that which is true. And so they've taken the goddess of Eshtar, where we get the name Easter, and she's the goddess of fertility. And so that's where you get this thing called a rabbit, a bunny, and an egg. And so these pagan gods use these symbols to try to overtake just like they did on, on All Saints Day. Isn't that interesting? Darkness is always chasing us down. Verse 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these disciples to obey just some of the commands. Oh. All the commands I have given you. And I love this part. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Easter, the resurrection, is the day that Jesus was given all authority on heaven and on earth. The love of God was now in complete power and was now reigning over all life and over death. He had the keys of life and death because of what he did on the cross. He's in power. He's in charge. And he is love. And his love reigns. Jesus' final instruction for all his followers was to go to all the whole world and, and go make disciples. 
You know, you can't make a disciple if you don't get somebody saved. If you don't reach out with the gospel and lead them to Jesus, you can't disciple. That, that's step two. You got to get step one done. That we're as, as followers to go and spread that good news. We're, we're to share the hope of Jesus. So the question is, will you let love reign in you? Will you let God rule and reign in your heart? I, I found Jesus, I was very fortunate as a, as a young boy. I was seven years old, and my mom and a neighbor friend, one of her friends, opened up their garage, my uh, mom's friend's garage, and they created a VBS garage uh, ministry. So all of us kids in the neighborhood would go into this garage and we would learn little memory verses, do little crafts. And my mom and my mom's friend would take turns sharing the gospel. And the end of one of those little stories, they asked if anybody wanted to ask Jesus into their little heart. And I did. And I really meant it. And that little seven-year-old boy cried a tear or two. I was just finding out that I was adopted and had no idea what the word adopted meant. But I sure was adopted. So it was about a year later. It was on a Sunday night. Small sanctuary, much like this. It was on a Sunday night. Anybody been going to church your whole life? You know what Sunday like church attendance looks like? Yep. For whatever reason, they sang a few songs. And the pastor came out here and he said, For those who need prayer, the altar is open and the Lord is here. And I don't know why, but this little boy named Marvin tugged on mama's little dress. And I said, Mama, I'm supposed to go. I mean, it's okay. A little bit longer. Oh, I couldn't help it. I was about to explode. So I yanked on Mama. I said, Mama, I got to go. She looked at me. She says, okay, mijo. And she moved out of the way. And I walked down there, scared as all get out. See, I just found out from a relative talking to another relative at my grandma's house. When she looked over and she said in Spanish, is that the one who's adopted by Ted and Sarah? My mom and dad. So when I got back to where we were sleeping, visiting family and friends, I went to my mom and dad. I said, am I adopted? They both looked stunned and stared at each other. And they went, yeah, you are. I said, I thought so and just walked out. That's as much as I got. <laughs> Mama told me a little bit more and explained that I was special because I wasn't just born, I was chosen. 
So I walk down that aisle, down the side aisle, and as they're singing a hymn, I landed here at the altar. And I don't know why, I just started bawling. I mean, I'm really crying like I can't help myself. I'm an eight-year-old boy. What's an eight-year-old boy crying? And I don't have theology for this. But all I remember is a man put his arm around me, and he knelt there, and he squeezed me in. And I felt the warmth, and I felt security, and I felt love. And I went to look. And there was nobody there. I looked all the way. There was nobody there. I looked all the way to the right. Nobody there. I looked behind me. There was nobody there for pews. I looked again. There was only the pastor, but he was way too far. And as an eight-year-old boy, I, boy, I got scared. and I just dropped my head. And then I heard them singing. He touched me. And made me whole. Something happened. And now I know. He touched me. And made me whole. I don't know where you're at with Jesus. But he's real. And he wants to touch you. He wants to set the course of your life. If you're willing. If you're willing to respond when he's reaching out to you. It's Easter. What better day to rededicate your life, to give your life to the Lord. You know, it's as simple as the ABCs. A means admit. I'm Marvin. I'm a sinner. It's B. Believe that he is who he says he is. And C. Confess him as your Lord and as your Savior. It's as simple as the ABCs. He didn't just die for you. He rose from the dead for you. Do you catch that part? Will you bow your heads? Will you pray with me? Lord, uh, it's been hard times these last couple of years. This crazy pandemic. Lord, people don't even know who to trust anymore. We don't trust the government. We're struggling to trust doctors and hospitals now we're struggling to trust but there's one thing that we know that we know that we know that Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever and that you are trustworthy and that you died on the cross so that we could have everlasting life that we could be set free from the power of darkness and sin and death in our lives and that we could have the way, the truth, and the life because of Jesus. We could have hope. We could know that our name is on the Lamb's book of life. If you're here, and you don't want to risk it, 
you want to say, it's time. It's time for me to make it right with the Lord. Because he's good. And he sees so much in you. Far more than maybe you even see. Oh, he has a destiny for you. And ultimately, he has heaven. But he said he'll never leave you or forsake you. I know there's been pain and suffering. There's been heartache and loss. Careers, businesses gone. People you love gone. But Jesus says, I was right there. Didn't seem like I was there, but I was carrying you because you couldn't carry yourself. If you want to receive him, you want to say, Jesus, I need to do my ABCs with you. I want to ask Jesus into my heart. If that's you, whether you want to rededicate, whether you want to ask Jesus in your heart for the very first time, would you raise your hand or look up and nod at me? We just want to pray with you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Yes. Yes. So church, pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I admit my mistakes. I admit my sins. Jesus, I believe in my heart. You are my Lord and Savior. That you died on the cross for me. And rose from the dead. And Jesus, I confess with my mouth that I'm a follower. That I'm a Christian. Jesus, would you write my name in the Lamb's book of life? Thank you, Jesus. I love you. In Jesus' holy name, I pray. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart, you are now a Christian. And you are a disciple of Jesus. And i like to be the first one to welcome you to the family of God. Amen. <laughs> But would you all stand up real quick? I want to pray a blessing over you. Father, I pray a blessing over your church. I pray blessing over all the marriages represented here. I pray for all those who are single in this place. I pray blessings over their homes. I pray blessings over their families. I pray blessing over their money. I pray blessing over their homes. I pray healing upon their bodies. I pray blessing that when they read the word of God, you would speak and reveal yourself to them. I pray for signs and wonders. I pray, Father, that they would have dreams and visions and you would speak, that you would see the kingdom of God advance because of what you're doing in your church. I pray joy unspeakable. 
I come against those who are fighting with depression and sadness and loneliness. I pray joy. I pray happiness. I pray smile. I pray, Father, laughter in their homes again. Oh, God, I pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. I pray blessing even over their animals, their pets. I pray blessing over, Father, even their, their retirements and their vehicles. I pray covering be upon them. And all these things we would not take for granted. We would give all the praise, all the glory to Jesus. And all that we have, we would use for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Because truly, it's Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. And all power and glory and credit goes to you, Jesus. So bless your people in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.